Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Hurricane Ian slowly approach Florida's Gulf Coast. Expected to strengthen into a major hurricane as early as tomorrow. We've seen this nuclear threat. Dangerous signal from President Putin. There will be catastrophic consequences for Russia. Big government socialism wrecking this great country. They will lose and they know that. The commitment to America. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. A new week of News and Views. Lots to talk about. Hurricane Ian is uh, headed north. Should be here by the weekend. And uh, hopefully by the time it gets to uh, North Carolina, it will be nothing but a uh, rain shower. But it is uh, already a hurricane and uh, designated that about 5 a.m. this morning, and it's gaining strength. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, some – I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Is that pop art or is that <laughs> – that's the United States. At the and, bottom, uh, you can see the hurricane down yeah, there. Yeah, okay. If you, look at, if you look at the map, uh, he's got up on the uh, screen. Uh, that's where Ian is, headed north. going to hit Tampa and uh, come up um, – Supposed to actually take a trip later this week down south, but uh, that doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point because of uh, the hurricane coming north. I guess there are parts of uh, the south that could uh, use the rain, but when it comes in the form of a hurricane, it's a little, little uh, well, it's a lot in a little time. A lot to talk about. I guess it's the theme of today's program is uh, the numbers are starting to come in. The response is starting to come in, and it's not looking good for the Democrats in the upcoming election. Uh, Clark just uh, referred to me a story that just broke earlier today. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi over the weekend was up in New York City at a music festival. She took the stage unannounced, and she got up to talk about uh, carbon footprints and whatnot and uh, brag about all the great things that she has done. She got booed off the stage, literally. It was uh, – <laughs> and, you know, stop and think about it. The, the American people are being slapped around silly, and they're not so stupid. They do realize who has caused the inflation, who has caused the crime. And listen, those – inflation, economy, and crime – are the big three. Now, if, to me, I'm surprised that inflation and the economy are one and the same, but they're usually polled as two different categories. Those are the big three. And the Democrats are doing a miserable job. And, and it, they're not even – they're making it worse. I mean, what they do is making it worse. Yeah, is that is this Nancy up on the screen? You're watching it. I couldn't talk about it. She's, she's getting booed off the stage. Uh, the American people, even in New York, and can you imagine if she showed up at something like that in you know some town in Alabama or even in North Carolina? I mean, it wouldn't just be booed off the stage. You might see an old-fashioned tar and feathering. But the American people are just sick and tired of a liberal, self-centered, narcissistic drunk telling them how – out of touch they are and how they've got the right solution and everything that they're doing is correct the american people are just sick of it i mean you're you're seeing revolts take place all over the world i mean over the weekend we saw revolts over in uh iran and iran and iraq both are having revolts right now but iran more so uh 
uh, over in Russia, we're seeing the same thing. And there's a theme that that's taking place right now. We're going to get more into it in the uh, in the program here. Um, Associated Rep- Associated Rep- uh, Press is reporting a gunman opened fired in a school in central Russia, some 600 miles east of Moscow, uh, identified as a 34 year old man who was a graduate of the same school who was under psychiatric care. Uh, went in and unfortunately killed 17 people, wounded 24 others, including uh, killing, I think it was 11 children. But um, it's too bad they didn't have gun control laws over there in Russia. This wouldn't have happened, I'm sure. But, uh, oh, oh, never mind. That's uh... <laughs> uh, Speaking of Russia, Vladimir Putin has granted full Russian citizenship to U.S. whistleblower Edward Snowden. That happened earlier today. Snowden, 39, fled the United States to Russia after revealing information about extensive surveillance operations being conducted by the National Security Agency, NSA. He is now a Russian citizen by presidential decree, according to Reuters. The announcement comes roughly two years after Russia granted Snowden permanent residency in the country. Now, you might think, oh, the guy got off scot-free. It's pretty obvious that this is not what Snowden wanted. I mean, first of all, don't get the idea that he's just enjoying a a carefree life over in Russia. Uh, I'm sure he is under the the thumb of uh, the Russian uh, hierarchy. Uh, In 2019, he said he he wanted to come back to the United States on the condition he got a fair trial. He even went so far as saying, listen, if I end up in prison for the rest of my life, I'm okay with that as long as it's a fair trial. Well, that doesn't sound like a guy who wants to stay over in Russia. And, uh, you know, some some people look at Eric Snowden and said, uh, Edward Snowden, rather, and said, uh, this guy is a, a hero. Other people said he was a turncoat. Uh, remember, Donald Trump was actually considering uh, a presidential pardon back in 2020, but he never took action on that. Uh, Senator Rand Paul has been one of uh, Snowden's major allies in the United States, saying the whistleblower unveiled schemes by the U.S. government to surveil American citizens both here and abroad. And, you know, what's interesting is when Snowden first revealed this information that he had, many people trusted the government and didn't trust Snowden. They thought he was, as a whistleblower, they looked at him and said, wait a minute, this guy's bad news. You know, if if what Snowden had revealed happened today instead of when it did years ago, trying to think how what uh, the country first uh, granted Snowden uh, asylum in 2014, trying to find the date when, uh, see if you can find the date when Snowden actually revealed that information, uh, Clark, because if that had happened today, what Snowden revealed, I, I think he would be hailed as a full, full-fledged hero. I mean, when he revealed that information and turned out that information, uh, people the people had a trust in their government. That's gone. I mean, the, 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 the average American no longer trusts their government. They don't trust the FBI. They don't trust the NSA. They don't trust the, the Department of Justice. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this story pans out. But uh, Eric Snowden, I don't think, is, uh, is a happy camper over there in Russia. I mean, he's not in prison, but uh, in a manner of speaking, he might be. So uh, Friday night, Donald Trump showed up to literally thousands of people down at the uh, Ted Budd rally. And it went, as you might expect, uh, 
that is the president was late but he uh, spoke for about 90 minutes uh, to a cheering crowd and there were thousands there uh the interesting one of the interesting things that happened it wasn't a big surprise but uh, mark robinson might have received more cheers than anyone else when he took the stage prior to president trump coming on stage uh robinson took the stage i think it was about 650 and uh, donald trump took the stage about 730 so uh, June 6, 2013 is when Snowden released that information. Uh, so almost uh, 10 years ago. And uh, how times have changed yeah, in the last the 10 years. Okay. Um, so anyway, Mark Robinson took the stage about 45 minutes before Donald Trump did. And he said, which, and just taking the stage, he gets cheers. But he said, we've got these overbearing mandates that have been handed down to us because of the COVID crisis. Who would have thought we would ever had all these mandates, and that would have been a part of the American vocabulary. We've stopped doing mandates back in 1775, I thought. Robinson said the country was in crisis due to Biden's poor leadership, which he contrasted with former President Trump's time in office when our enemies were cowering in the basement and the, the economy was ramped up like never has been before. Robinson also criticized Governor Cooper telling the crowd that it was critical they elect a Republican supermajority in the state legislature to bypass the governor's vetoes to make him ineffective. Before making way for Ted Budd, the GOP nominee for the U.S. Uh, Senate, Robinson teased the crowd, as he's often done in the past, about a potential gubernatorial run of his own, saying... In 2024, we need somebody to step up and fill the governor's mansion. Robinson said while holding up a towel bearing his name, which he used to wipe his forehead while supporters in the crowd cheered. I don't know who that's going to be, but whoever it is, they need to be a strong patriot that loves this state and love this nation. Uh, yeah, Mark Robinson is running for governor next time around, which is good news for everybody. Hey, let's take a time out. I want to get back and I want to start uh, talking about uh, the upcoming election. There are a lot of interesting polling that's coming out, a lot of interesting numbers. Nancy Pelosi getting booed off the stage is uh, just the cherry on top of the cake. Uh, listen, don't go to sleep. This ought to, I want to, I want to make our crowd more enthusiastic to get out and vote and to get out and campaign hard because, uh, it's within the reach to really, uh, flip things around coming November 8th. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. A quick look at your weather forecast. Looks pretty good for the next three days. A uh, high in the low 80s to uh, mid-70s, somewhere in there with lots of sunshine. Lows at night with uh, partly cloudy skies in the 50s. Then on Thursday, the clouds come in, the temperatures drop just a tad, and uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday expect a fair amount of rain coming in from the uh, hurricane. Depending on which way Ian wiggles and shakes, does he go a little bit to the west? Does he stay on the east? Uh, we'll see, And uh, but uh, expect uh, expect some rain. So uh, the Pirates will be playing down in Florida. By the time they play on Saturday, the uh, hurricane will have moved out. So... Uh, Shouldn't affect the game that much. Wouldn't think. Interesting uh, story out of the Washington Examiner. Former President Donald Trump 
Now, let, let me ha- preface this story by saying if this is true, okay, if this is true, former President Donald Trump offered a stunning rebuke of Ron DeSantis as polls show DeSantis posing a significant obstacle for Trump's 2024 presidential plans. Trump shared his opinions about his former ally to the New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, whom he spoke to in an on-the-record capacity three times as a part of a research for her book entitled Confidence Man, The Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America. Haberman shared details of those conversations in an article for The Atlantic. Now, The Atlantic is a liberal publication. That's why I say, if these are true, um, the 45th president called the Florida governor, according to this report in The Atlantic, fat, phony, and whiny. When Haberman asked about him during a meeting late this summer at the Trump National Golf Club in uh, Bedminster, New Jersey, it's not clear if Trump offers additional disparaging remarks about DeSantis that are documented in the book and not the Atlantic article. Listen, let me just first say, A, the Atlantic is a very liberal publication. B, Donald Trump is going to call somebody fat. I mean... (laughs) Donald Trump isn't exactly Mr. Trump, and I'm I'm not making fun of Trump or DeSantis here, but I just don't see Trump making that comment about somebody else. I mean, that'd be like Donald Trump commenting with somebody else's hair. Um... I, I I just I, again when I see this kind of thing I I just look at my I I'm I don't believe it. It, it was taken somehow it's either dramatically taken out of context and you say well how can you call somebody fat phony and that be taken out of context I don't know I don't I wasn't there but I just have a hard time believing this. I'm not saying that that Trump I mean I, obviously everybody else he campaigned against. Uh, back when he was running back in uh, 2016 and 2015, yeah, he, he had a lot of names for, uh, you know, the different people he ran against. But um, I – and I'm not saying <laughs> I have I have uh, no uh, strong evidence that this wasn't said. I just have a hard time believing it. Let me also say, if this is true, I think this is a terrible mistake by Donald Trump. Because there's a lot of people out there that are saying, wait a minute, DeSantis would make a great presidential candidate. And uh, I, I don't think it's accurate. If it is, I think that was a, I think it was a, if, 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 that's a big if, that was, that's accurate. I think that's a big mistake by Trump. Uh, North Carolina, speaking of politics, um, the Carolina Journal is reporting on a piece that appeared in The Hill Earlier today, basically the Hill coming out and predicting that North Carolina, Richard Burr's Senate seat will be a flip for the Democrats. They go on to point out why they think this is, that Cherry Beasley will prevail over Ted Budd, and this would be a flip, this would be a win for uh, Beasley. I don't see it. And the one of the reasons I would say that is, uh, we just talked about this last week, that the uh, national Dems have pulled money from the Cherry Beasley race. If they're pulling money, they're seeing polling that they think uh, Cherry Beasley's got an uphill fight to uh, prevail over Ted Budd. 
the Washington Free Beacon is running a story, which parts of the story appeared originally in the Carolina Journal. But again, the fact that the, the Washington Free Beacon is running it, national eyes will see this story. The family of a slain North Carolina police officer is blasting Cherry Beasley 25 years after she helped defend two cop-killing brothers, saying the Democrat Senate hopeful is for the criminals and not for law officers. Beasley, in 1998, served as one of the key defense attorneys for Tillman and Kevin Goffin, brothers who one year before the trial killed two North Carolina police officers during a traffic stop that came after they robbed a loan agency at gunpoint. Now the brother of one of the slain officers, Al Lowry, is sounding the alarm on Beasley's Senate campaign, saying it's BS and the Democrat is trying to portray herself as a friend of law enforcement. It makes me sick every time I look at her. I know she's not the right person for the job, Lowry told the Carolina Journal. She's for criminals and not for law officers. Beasley's ad says law enforcement stands behind her. I don't believe it for one second. By the way, just days ago, the North Carolina Police Benevolent Association, who three times endorsed Beasley previously, announced it is now endorsing uh, Ted Budd. So, uh, again, Beasley's campaign um, not responding to uh, the Washington Free Beacon for comment on this. But, uh, you know, that that's another big reason I don't think Beasley's going to prevail on this. As you see more ads come out in support of Ted Budd, pack ads and, and um, Ted Budd himself's campaign running ads, one of the things that they're going to hit is the crime issue. And I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look at this particular case and in some of these ads that they run. Because, uh, again, the three most important issues, crime, and these aren't necessarily in chronicle order, but the three most important, crime, economy, and inflation. And right behind that is immigration. And the Democrats, <laughs> they're, they're getting a failing grade in all four of those. Another interesting point. Over the weekend, Giorgia Maloney of the Brothers of Italy Party, a conservative right-wing candidate for prime minister, won. She, now, now this is a country that has been socialist for decades. For decades, they've been a socialist country. And the, the Italian people said enough is enough. They voted for a, a strong conservative. Now, I, I cannot vouch for her. I don't know that much about her. All I know is what I've read in reports, that she is very much a conservative in politics, new to politics, but she won. Uh, we had Prime Minister Truss just win over in England. Again, another conservative. What's interesting about these elections, particularly the Italian election, one, again, it is, this is pivotal. After decades of socialism, they elect a conservative. The, uh, the, again, it, it didn't just happen in Italy. It also happened in Great Britain. But the other interesting thing is, go back and look at history. Margaret Thatcher won as prime minister in 1979. What happened in 1980? One year later, Ronald Reagan won. And are our politics connected well, I'm not sure, but it, it, it does appear that there are waves that are not only in this country but are international. So as soon as we can see uh, Justin Trudeau run out of office up in Canada, that will be significant. But again, a lot of, a lot of 
uh, things pointing to what I think will be a pretty solid win for conservatives. And again, let me preface by saying, don't go to sleep. This, I say this to energize the masses, not to put them to sleep, to say, well, gee, I don't have to go vote because go vote, Lamprecht said we're going to win. Uh, former Speaker House Gingrich predicted just today that the red wave coming in November will surpass even optimistic expectations. He said Republicans will win between 20 and 70 seats in the House. Now, remember, uh, in the first midterm election for Barack Obama in 2010, uh, Republicans won 60-some seats. So 70 would actually beat what happened in 2010. So he says between 20 and 70, and he says in the Senate, three to seven seats. Gingrich justified his bold prediction by pointing to the rising costs of living, saying the anger over perceived failure of the ruling Democrats will translate into a decisive victory for Republicans. And his, his point is this. I mean, every day, either on social media or in the news, we see crime before our eyes. I mean, with video cameras, security cameras, iPhones, we are constantly capturing the violence that we see taking place. And we see people just walking down the sidewalk and just hitting someone across the head with something, knocking them cold, not even attempting to rob them, just the violence for the sake of being violent. We see that every day. And you probably know someone who has an, has had an interaction with that. We hear every day about someone who is died of opioids or fentanyl. And the fentanyl crisis is because of the border crisis. Every day we see in the news illegals coming across. Every day we see in the news... Well, we don't not only see it in the news, but we see it as we go to the grocery store or go to fill up our cars with gasoline. We recognize in just a short period of time, in less than two years, inflation has gone from 1.2% to 9%. It's hurting everybody's pocketbook every day. We see the economy. We see the stock market going in the wrong direction every day. And Newt Gingrich points these things out and says, listen, those are the best campaign slogans you can possibly have. You want campaign advertising? There's no way the Democrats can overcome that kind of campaign advertising because it's not campaign advertising. It's real life. They know who's in charge. Does Joe Biden deserve all the credit? No. Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer, they deserve some too. Is it exclusively a Democrat problem? No. Republicans have been pretty pretty slack in curbing the spending. But right now, it is the Republicans to come in and change. It's the Democrats that are, are going to be ushered out. And it's, it's just the way it is. I, now, listen, Republicans, you better get in there and do the job as you should. Because if you've got two years to, to begin to turn the thing around, voters have a very short memory. Interesting poll out. This appeared in the publication, The Washington Stand. 
While the left often circumvents real issues that concern Americans, the issues that I've just articulated, a recent poll highlighted the ideology most afraid of. And guess what? It's not MAGA Republicans. All the rhetoric. You you heard Joe Biden up there outside of Independence Hall telling us that it's the the violent MAGA Republicans that want to do away with our democracy. Well, first of all, we're a republic, Joe, and you know that. A democratic republic. But nonetheless, National Review did a poll, and they reported that 55% of Americans are more worried about the socialist left than MAGA Republicans. The poll came after Biden's speech in Philadelphia, where he called MAGA Republicans an extremist that threatens the very foundation of our republic. According to the report, only 45% of Americans are concerned about MAGA Republicans taking the driver's seat in politics, despite Biden's assertion that he didn't believe all Republicans were threats to the nation's. The Harvard-Caps-Harris poll found that 60% of the surveys deemed the speech divisive. 54% said it was fear-mongering. Socialism always, always, always demands party conformity and allegiance and punishes those who refuse to comply, said Dr. Emmer Kanner, president of the Truett Truett McConnell University at the Family Research Council's Pray, Vote, and Stand Summit, recounting his wife's story who immigrated from former socialist Czechoslovakia. Kanner maintained, quote, you can imagine that she is nearly terrified at the present climate of politics in America. Now the fight is not between liberalism and conservatism. It's between socialism and freedom. And boy, that, that is a great quote, he said. Socialism always, always, always demands party conformity and allegiance and punishes those who refuse to comply. And boy, are we not seeing that now. I mean, th- now that isn't in the polling. But that is what people are feeling. So they're not afraid, Joe. They're not afraid of MAGA Republicans. And listen, this is, this is after Joe Biden gets up there, makes this speech, and all the major mainstream outlets, whether it's social media outlets, whether it's publications, whether it's the New York Times, the Washington Post, or MSNBC, or CNN, or ABC, or CBS, or NBC, they're all carrying the water for him. And still... 55% of the Americans feel like, no, it's the socialist. It's what Joe Biden said up there outside of Independence Hall. That's what we're scared of, not MAGA Republicans. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Jen Psaki, the former White House press secretary, she went on uh, some of the Talking head shows this weekend with Chuck Todd, Meet the Press. And uh, this was her take on whether the Democrats will win or lose in November. 
I look, I think that Democrats, if the election is about uh, who is the most extreme, um, as we saw, you know, Kevin McCarthy touch on there with Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'll say her name, sitting over his left side, then they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is a referendum on the president, they will lose. And they know that. They also know that crime is a huge vulnerability for Democrats. I would say one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, what's been interesting to me is it's always you follow the money and where mm-hmm. are people spending money. And in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, the Republicans have been spending millions of dollars on the air on crime ads against Fetterman because that's where they see his vulnerability. So, yes, the economy is hanging over everything, but you do have to look at state by state factors and crime is a huge issue. Now, what's interesting about that is what Jen Psaki didn't mention. What didn't she bring up? She brought up the economy. She brought up crime. She didn't bring up abortion. You know, the libs have been pushing this narrative even before the Dobbs decision came out. I mean, back when they had the original leak, which one was that? That was back uh, in the spring. And then the Dobbs decision came out over the summer. They have been playing this up like, oh, if they touch Roe v. Wade, that's the third rail. They're done. They're fried. She didn't even bring it up. And again, when you, when you look at all the issues that are that the American people are concerned with, one poll that was out a couple of months ago, I don't know, ranked higher than the abortion issue. Chris Christie was on the ABC Talking Head program. And I wouldn't say Chris Christie is a is the most conservative of the bunch, but it was interesting how he framed the abortion argument. Let's let's talk about the abortion issue, because 84 percent of the voters say the economy is their top issue. Only 62% say abortion. And when you go deeper into the poll and look at some of the crosstabs on this, what our poll is showing is that the pro-life people are more motivated by the abortion issue to vote in these midterms than the pro-choice people. So when someone says, well, 62% of the voters say the number one issue is abortion. Next question, which, you know, basically most of us, when we hear that stated, Oh, 62%. Well, they must all be Democrats and they must all want to codify Roe, right? Not necessarily. 62% of the voters say the number one issue is abortion. How many of that 62% are pro-lifers who want to make sure that pro-life candidates get in there so that abortion is not codified by law, by Congress? The assumption that anyone who votes for the abortion issue is the number one issue is because they want Congress to codify a road. Not necessarily. And again, it's it's fairly far down on the list. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre declined to say whether Biden um, believes American cities are safe or not during today's press conference. Peter Ducey of Fox News Press Jean-Pierre on stats showing rising crime in major cities. Does Biden think American cities are safe, Ducey asked. We know death and robberies are up 20% in the first half of this year, so I'm wondering if he thinks American big cities are safe. This is the typical answer of Jean-Pierre. Quote, look. This is a president who has secured historic funding to make sure law enforcement has what it needs. And he was able to do this in face of opposition from Republicans. 
She went on to say that Biden's American Rescue Plan included more than $300 billion in funding for states and local groups to hire more law enforcement, which she makes you think that $300 billion was earmarked specifically for law enforcement. It wasn't. Then um, Ducey says, kudos to Ducey. I mean, this this young man is very impressive. When I heard that he was first going to get the White House gig on Fox News, I thought, oh, I hope that works out, but I'm not sure. He has surpassed any expectations I've ever had. Um, so he goes back and says, okay, the original question, does Biden think America's cities, big cities, are safe? She responds, Jean-Pierre responds, it is not a yes or no question. It is very much a question of what he has done to make sure that the cities have the funding and have what they need to protect the community and what this president has done. Uh, This this typical typical gobbledygook. And again, remember the vice president, the Veep in there, she was the one that was donating money and encouraging others to donate money to get these criminals out of jail back when they were burning down all these cities back in the... the, uh, the, the the love fest year of 2020. Uh, again, all these numbers are not looking good for the Dems. Town Hall. Now, last week I was talking about polling. And I said, as we get closer to the election, polling tends to show a more accurate election picture because, as I said, pollsters don't want – first of all, they don't want egg on their face. So the, the, they actually get the numbers a little bit more correct as we get closer to the election – and uh, but also and the way they do this is they switch when they when they go out and do their polling, they switch from polling registered voters to polling likely voters, those people that actually go out and vote in the election. Sean Trend of Real Clear Politics noted how recently many pollsters were still publishing registered voter data rather than applying a likely voters screen. Trend and others wondered why the pollsters were sticking with registered voters over likely voters this late in the cycle. And, uh, you know, they came up with some gobbledygook reasons why that might be. Logan Dobson tweeted, There are only two likely voter polls in the real clear politics average at the moment. Both of them show a Republican lead on the generic ballot. If the GOP has a good night, Many people will be justifiably confused as to why so many media pollsters keep putting out registered voter polls deep into September. And this, I mean, how many times has this happened? Does it happen every time? No. Does it happen most times? Yes. That we, the, the pollsters tell us one thing, and guess what? When you actually see the results, they're entirely different. The Washington Post and the ABC News dropped a new national survey just yesterday, that represents a clear departure from the Democrat momentum storyline of the summer. Among registered voters, Republicans clung to a one-point lead when it comes to registered voters. And this is just a generic ballot. So, uh, but when it came to likely voters... It was a five-point lead, 47.9% over 42.2%. When it comes in the same Washington Post-ABC poll, 
when it comes to Biden's job approval rating. He's slumped back into the high 30s in this poll. He's not in good shape. Uh, The poll asks, do you approve or disapprove of President Biden? Overall, 39% approved, 55% disapproved. Democrats, 86% approved, 8% disapproved. GOP, 9% approved, 88% disapproved. This is where it really gets uh, important. Independents, 30% approved, 59, almost 60% disapproved. Now, remember, independents or non-affiliated, they are basically a third of the voters now. Democrat, another interesting piece of all this, since Joe Biden took over as president, a million Democrat voters have left the Democrat Party and switched to Republicans. And that doesn't count the ones that have left the Democrat Party and are just either non-affiliated or identified with a libertarian or some other party. Uh, for Joe Biden, men 37% approve, 56 disapprove. In fact, the, the list go on women. Um, the, the only two demographic, demographics categories that approve Joe Biden, white college educated, 47% um, disapprove. I'm sorry, 47. No, no, he doesn't even make it with white college. Uh, pardon me. Uh, white college, he, he loses by two percentage points. The only category that he prevails in is um, the the black voter. Black voters, 62% approve of Joe Biden, 28% disapprove. So, and there's some that just didn't say, but the fact that only two-thirds of African-American voters approve of Joe Biden is striking. When it comes to the – listen to all these different polls. When it comes to the generic congressional ballot polling amongst likely voters, there's one, two, three, four, five different polls here. And all of them have the Republicans up in the generic ballot. ABC, Washington Post, Republicans are up 5%, 51% to 46%. CBS YouGov poll, uh, Republicans are up 1%, 46 to 45 McLaughlin uh gop up 48 percent four points over democrats 44 percent data for progress republicans up two percent trafficker uh republicans up six percentage points but of all the different uh stats that come off in this uh article perhaps the most significant of all according to langer research among those living in congressional districts that are related uh, that are rated as at least somewhat competitive by ABC's 538 poll and so this is neither solid republican nor solid democrat and if you look at the house races there's quite a few that are in this category there's probably close to 30 races in this category in the house registered voters favor Republican candidates, 55% to 34% Republicans over Democrats. That, that That is not a landslide. That is a massacre. That is a massacre. I mean, take this and run with it. Please get excited about the election. I mean, don't don't say we're not going to win. We are going to. The Republicans and conservatives are going to win big. 
you make sure you get out there and vote. I mean, this is such a landslide. If the Republicans lost because of cheating, well, I don't want to predict what would happen. But uh, right now, this looks like the Republicans, it's, it's theirs to win. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I know I've given you a lot of uh, polling numbers today, and your eyes are probably glazing over, but uh, perhaps uh, uh, one race that if Republicans can pull this off, this will be so significant, and it will really show that uh, perhaps we're at a, a, a turning point, a tipping point in this country. Um, the state of Washington one of the most liberal states in the nation. Patty Murray is uh, running for re-election. Tiffany Smiley is running against her. Right now, Patty Murray is seeing her lead shrink every day. The latest poll out, she is at 48%. And uh, Tiffany Smiley, she's at 48.7. Tiffany Smiley's at 46.5. So it is, um, yeah, she's still ahead according to this Trafalgar poll, but it is, uh, it is getting closer. And if, if Patty Murray goes down in the state of Washington, th- that will really be a significant uh, story of uh, how the rest of the country probably will go. So uh, keep your eyes on that one. Um, also interesting, uh, Hillary Clinton apparently has not totally come out and said she is – not going to run in 2024 and uh, dick morris yeah the little creepy guy that uh, helped uh, her husband win election uh, he's the one that's uh, saying this to the media that ah oh, hillary might be running yet yeah, exhausted. Uh, yeah well we're exhausted of hearing from you and we're exhausted from hearing from dick morris i i don't know why anybody would uh, pay any attention to that little weasel but uh, hey that's politics thanks for being with us we'll do it again tomorrow look forward to it see you then bye bye everybody all right all right all right